Hello, peoples, and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. My name is Jason Peters, and I am here with you for another patented five-minute review. I got five Today's film is The Banshees of Inishirin, released in 2022, written and directed by Martin McDonagh, and starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. The film was distributed by Searchlight Pictures, having made $15.4 million as of the time of this recording against a budget of no clue, no idea. There is, at least as of right now, there is not a single piece of information available online about what even the estimated budget of this film is, so I have no clue. I don't know what Colin Farrell makes these days for his weird little indie movies. I don't imagine Brendan Gleeson is cheap, but I also know that he's not, like, making scale. And I have no idea what Martin McDonagh takes on the front end versus the back end, so no clue. But I would have to imagine it was probably made for less than $15 million, if I had to guess. I mean, it could easily go as much as 30 maybe? But it could also be as little as, like, 5 I could see it being anywhere between 5 and $30 million. So, let's hope one day we find out. Google describes this as follows. On a remote island off the coast of Ireland, Patrick is devastated when his buddy Colm suddenly puts an end to their lifelong friendship. With help from his sister and a troubled young islander, Patrick sets out to repair the damaged relationship by any means necessary, and boy, do they mean by any means necessary. Bring me everyone. What do you mean everyone? Everyone! Now, let me start off by saying I am a huge fan of Martin McDonagh's rather limited resume at this point. I adore In Bruges and Three Billboards. I didn't much care for Seven Psychopaths, so this is his fourth film, and I have not seen any of his plays. I understand that he is first and foremost a playwright, and he has a number of productions available. I don't know how many of them have made it out here in Los Angeles, but I'm sure they're available if I look for them, so maybe I should do that. And then we've got Brendan Gleeson, who is just great anytime you see him. Every time he shows up, he's awesome. I loved the two of them in McDonagh's first movie in Bruges. And they are both just as charming in this film, albeit in very different ways. I will say off the bat that I think how much you enjoy this film is going to come down to how much you enjoy the work of McDonagh, Farrell, and Gleason, respectively. It's a unique and interesting film that does some pretty strange things that I think is going to turn off a lot of mainstream audiences. For me, I really enjoyed the film, but it was one of the first films that I had walked out of in a very, very long time where I didn't really immediately understand the soul of the film. It's not really something that calls attention to the fact that it really requires a certain level of discussion and breaking down to understand. And look, maybe maybe you didn't have that experience, or maybe other people came away with a much more solid understanding of what the film was out of the gate. For me, it actually took a friend and two or three beers and you know an hour's worth of conversation to really understand or come to what I believe is understand the film while also acknowledging that my interpretation may not necessarily be accurate. And so it was a very interesting experience. And if pressed, I would describe the film as sort of difficult and complicated in its simplicity. It plays tonally very straightforward as a sort of quiet dramedy about aging and the examination of male bonding and friendships. I believe that's sort of what thematically it's about, at least initially, at the end of the day. 
and it's consistently funny, and it's got great likable characters. And it's not until, I don't know, halfway through the film, maybe a little bit before, that there are plot points that end up belying a lot of the tone that has led up to this. It may seem an extension of what has been set up, but it's such a dramatic extension. We go from 1 to 2 to 3 to 12 plus, 18 even, and it's such a dramatic point, plot point that this film pivots on that it took me aback, and I would have to imagine it takes everyone aback, and maybe it's one of those decisions that takes you aback in a great way, but also maybe it kind of stops to make you think and wonder, well, gee, is there more going on here than just the surface? It would definitely be fair to call this film a dark comedy without being a black comedy in that it is a comedy that goes into some very dark places, but it's not relishing in those places, right? It doesn't love being in here and it's not, you know, sticking its thumb out at you and nanny nannying and like, oh, look at what I'm doing and saying like it's not really immature in the way that it handles its its dark comedy aspects. It's but it's very real. And I think because of that. Those dramatic elements hit harder, except for, again, this one major plot point that could be described as exaggeratedly over the top. I don't know how realistic that is, but everything else around this very huge plot point is very realistic and played very naturally. And I think that's why it was just kind of hard for me to resolve these two things. Without spoiling anything, I will say that the conclusion that I came to is that the film is ultimately about mental illness, and it's not from the side of the person that is actually becoming ill, but rather the people around them, in this case one individual, our protagonist, and how that person responds. It very much made me think of Al-Anon, right? We have Alcoholics Anonymous that everybody knows about, and that's for the alcoholic themselves. But then there's this whole other community of people that are affected by the alcoholic, the family and friends that had to put up with all their bullshit, that don't get recognized for all the stuff that they had to go through while this person was healing, and that's what Al-Anon is for. And I kind of feel like this film is in a way sort of highlighting the people that are affected by someone else's illness in the same way that Al-Anon highlights the people that are affected by somebody's alcoholism. Now, I've already mentioned how great McDonough is. I've already mentioned how great Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson is. You're probably familiar with those people already as it is. Who I want to really call out in this film is the sister, Siobhan, played by an actress, Carrie Condon, or Carrie Condone. I'm going to go with Carrie Condon. She hasn't done much. She's had some small parts in Better Call Saul and Ray Donovan and had a pretty substantial role in the TV series Rome on HBO. But I know a lot of people haven't seen that. I've certainly never seen that. And most people will probably know her best as the voice of the AI Friday from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But you probably aren't familiar with her face. She is wonderful in this film. She brings a certain element of strength and compassion to the characters at hand while also still sort of being the voice of reason. But also going through her own sort of troubles and not fitting in and having her own arc. She holds her own against a couple of very powerful acting heavyweights, and I really hope that she's able to parlay this into a lot of future work, because she is wonderful, as is Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. One other note of interest is how much attention is called to the fact that these characters are very self-absorbed. 
This is ultimately an examination of people who are always in their own heads and trying to figure out what is going on on a sort of grand scale. Also worth mentioning that this is set in sometime in the 20s against the backdrop of the Irish Civil War. So it's important to remember that this isn't set in modern times. It's literally 100 years ago at this point. And so I think that does affect the characters, but they also still feel very real and feel very modern and are very relatable to the here and now. But to the idea that they are self-absorbed, one of the excellent ways that McDonough kind of reinforces this is how he mixes the entire film. So this entire film takes place on an island, and you would expect that most filmmakers would really sort of punch up a lot of the waves and a lot of the exterior sound effects and the natural elements that are going on around them. He actually mixes all the nature and everything else way, way down. And mixes the dialogue very, very high so that we always remember that, like, whatever is going on around these characters, which is, you know, there's some gorgeous cinematography, gorgeous vistas, you know, they're, they can't, they can't see any of that. They're so trapped in their own heads. All they can do is hear their own voices as well as each other's. And I just think that was very wonderfully reinforced by that creative decision. Three adjectives to wrap this up. Complex, juxtaposed, and tragic comic, which I believe is probably the best way to describe this type of film. Interesting, complicated. These would be some great ones as well. All of this amounting to a star rating of four out of five stars. Now, don't forget that you can follow us on the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, at Esoterica Cinema. You can email us, esotericacinema at gmail.com. You can also give us a call. Tell us what you think about the Banshees of Inishir, and we will leave a message on one of our episodes sometime. That phone number, 818-483-6285. Don't forget to check out the website, esotericacinema.com, and we will see you next time. Enjoy the movies.